You are listening to The Investor Way with Sam Ball and Jonathan McEwen. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at TIWTweets. Hello, welcome to The Investor Way. It's the 6th of January 2024 with me, Sam Ball, and I'm joined by my co-host, John McEwen. In this week's episode, we had hoped to get back to a normal episode. However, there's not really any companies reporting because of the Christmas period. So we're just going to do a review of our own portfolios. So, John, do you want to kick us off with how your own portfolio has done roughly in 2023? Yes. So roughly, it's done quite well. And a lot of that is due to the MSCI All World Index really rallying. And I suppose a return of some of those big tech stocks in the States and, you know, S&P 500. Obviously, it's a market cap weighted index. So the momentum that's come off from that has, you know, really lifted the portfolio. I think the index, if you include dividends in the year, is up about 12.5%, something like that. So that has, you know, done great things for the portfolio overall. In terms of individual stocks, what has been a winner and what has been a loser? Latterly, some of the house builders, I've got Redro, that, that's rallied. And as we've seen interest rates, well, arguably hitting the top of the cycle, that's done great things for those and they've re-rated quite a lot. Other companies that have done less well, well, I guess boo-hoo, it's, it's been, a, a, I guess, a slightly better 2023, but it did have a terrible 2022. So I'm still well down, probably over 60% on that. Airtel Africa, let's have a look. I know the numbers it's been putting out, obviously we've been covering and have been very good. That's up around 6 six to 7%. Obviously it's, it's, Picking out a, a decent sort of three and a half percent yield too, so that's not been too bad. But it's not one that I, you know, clo- follow the share price on closely. I'm very happy with how it's performing. Diageo, a company that I think is, you know, incredibly high quality, that hasn't had such a good year. We've had mixed results recently, and we did talk about in the fancy portfolio topping it up. I haven't done i've reinvested the dividends but i haven't sort of haven't placed a new allocation to it in my own portfolio something that i probably would consider doing other stocks so i I always had a bank in my portfolio for nearly 10 years originally it started with lloyd's and then it moved to natwest that had you know a, a really strong 18 months but then in the last sort of year it's had a bit more of a, a difficult time, still well up on the stock, but it's, you know, come back to earth a bit. So that, that's uh, taken a hit. And then Unilever as well, despite the numbers being, you know, fairly good and it looking like it's coming back on track with a new programme, that hasn't performed well. That's that's certainly down on the year. Let me just check the share price for Unilever. So on the year, Unilever is down about between 8 and 9%. So not 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 so good there. But again, sort of happy, you know, happy holding it. Other stocks, I've got a decent allocation to Kraft Heinz. Again, that's had a disappointing year in terms of its share price is down between 10 and 11 percent. It does have a decent dividend of over 4 percent. And I'm up on it. I've held Kraft Heinz now for about five years and very happy with the performance. Certainly never expected it to shoot the lights out, but I thought it was good value when I bought it. And I'm happy with the way that the company's going. 
other things in my portfolio well i had held shell for over or for about 10 years and i sold well so far close to the top at about 24 and a half pounds a share just have a look i don't like to look back and see how it's doing and have sort of seller's remorse but shell so in the last year it's up about 11 percent and since i sold it it's up about five percent and the proceeds of that i quite boringly put into the the world index other stocks that i sold i sold centrica and we discussed it quite a lot on the show but there have been lots of political commentary on it political interference and additional taxes levied so that really really didn't do anything for my confidence and i suppose the security of those stocks but centrica that ironically again was probably one of my best performing stocks i'm not sure exactly how much i sold it at probably about one pound 30 share it's currently 150 i did hold it through sort of good times and bad so i had it in about 2016 started a position probably paid an average of about maybe one pound 80 a share obviously had the dividends over the years they were subsequently cut i did hold it down all the way to about 35 pence a share and you know it's rallied it's been i guess a two or three bagger since then but sold it at, yeah about i think about the one pound 30 mark and again that went back into the world index another stock that i'd held for a long time that i sold in 2023 was tesco's i think it wasn't a, you know it really wasn't a healthy company shortly after or around the time i bought it had the horse meat scandal i think i bought just after that and then we had the accounting scandal and it was in sort of free fall after that dave lewis came in really turned the business around went back to basics cut off all of the fat and sold it and then it's been performing really strongly and i know we've been very positive about it on the show I felt that it was probably fully valued and it was difficult to, you know, to see where the growth came from. So, so probably sold it around the £2.60 mark and it's now £3. So again, if I sort of held on to it, I'm sure it would have, I'd have done better. Very difficult to time the market. I'm happy that I, I have sold it. And again, that money just went sort of back into um, All World Index. I think probably the quality of a lot of those companies and a lot of them being sort of S&P 500 is better. And we'll, we'll see. It'd be interesting to see how Tesco does. But I, I felt that there wasn't, you know, wasn't that much growth ahead. It was largely saturated. On a similar note, Reckitt, that was another consumer goods company that I held. I did sell that again around April 2023. I thought that that I'd held it for a, ooh, probably about six years and it had always been in turnaround mode. It'd been promised a lot. It had never really delivered. And since I per, since I bought it six years ago, let's just have a look at a quick look at the share price. It, it was probably, uh, you know, if you take into div dividends into account, I'd probably sort of wash my face broad, broadly flat on it. Share price probably down maybe five, between five and 10%. So again, I thought that that was time for that to go. And again, money went back into All World Index, which has performed well. So overall, where that money went, it wasn't just sitting in the trading account earning nothing. It, it, it was all reinvested. The other thing that's been going on with my portfolio is... Have I been in, uh, uh, investing as aggressively over the last year? 
Probably not. Of course, I've been re reinvesting all of the dividends and making ISA contributions, lifetime ISA contributions, which um, have gone into stock, perhaps holding a, a little bit more in cash. And, you know, as the interest rates have gone up, I've actually added quite a lot of gilts to my portfolio. I think gilts were always something that in the old investment books, you know, kind of Buffett style, you would read about and they'd say, oh, you know, have, well, Perhaps it's your age, you know, is the percentage of allocation to stocks uh, or to, to bonds and then, you know, it, it becoming de-risked, I guess, as you get older and having a larger allocation to bonds. But it's not something that I really uh, understood because they'd always, you know, talk about whether it's US treasuries or in the UK, we might have gilts. I never really got that because I thought, well, you know, the, the return on them is sort of pitiful. Like, why why would I do that? Why would I have these sort of short dated gilts? But it's made a lot more sense recently. And all of those books would have been written, or most of those books would have been written pre-2008, before we went into the sort of ultra-low interest rate environment. And I think since those interest rates have come up so much, and maybe to just to kind of historically normal levels, but, you know, over 5%, I looked at these gilts and I thought, wow, actually, I could buy, you know, a UK treasury, a UK gilt, and... When I bought them, because so, I, I bought a, a, a decent allocation in the summer, I could get ones that from July last year, which would which would be maturing at the beginning of or the end of January 2025. So about 18 months from when I bought them. And I'd be getting a return of around 7%. And of course, we're not giving any tax advice. But the fact that in the UK, there is no capital gains tax on UK gilts, that was quite attractive. And it was never something, you know, when I've been an adult, that I've been able to remember getting a 7% risk-free return over 18 months. So I had a larger allocation to gilts and probably to some, to some degree at the expense of stocks, but it was much more attractive than, you know, a year or two ago when you were getting well, more than a year ago, but when you're getting, you know, 1% on your or less on your savings accounts. And of course, that would be subject to tax. So the gilts have certainly been something that are new. And I feel that I get more as part of a balanced portfolio. And you know, gilts, short, very like ultra short gilts, as opposed to just retaining, retaining the cash. And of course, you, can, you know, you can sell them at sort of short notice the, the dealing. So it's very liquid in that sense. I wouldn't say I've been converted to a gilt investor or a bond investor. I'm certainly not making predictions on long-term interest rates and, you know, picking longer-dated gilts. That's I, I can't see myself getting into that. But I think for the the ultra short ones, you know, whether they're maturing in a year, eighteen months, two years, I think getting I, I couldn't tell you now, but maybe four four and a half percent is not not so bad at all. And, you know, when it's risk-free and largely tax-free, that, that's that been, I guess, something new in my portfolio. Sam, sorry to bore you with all of that, but how has <laughs> your, your portfolio been doing? More exciting than mine? So it wasn't boring at all. It was very interesting. My, my portfolio was slightly different this year. There were no gilts in my portfolio as of yet, although I do see the attraction of it. So my portfolio has done pretty well. I actually measure my portfolio April to April, so I don't have exact figures for where I was last January. I also measure it including capital contributions. For the last two years, obviously I had a very, very good COVID year where I was up over 100%. And then the last couple of years, if I strip out my 
you know, the cash I've put in, I was actually down for the last two years on the stock performances in 2021. Was it 2021? I can't remember which one was the COVID year. Yeah, 2020 was a COVID year. So I had an excellent 2020 and I think I had a very poor 2021. Although because of the, the cash I was putting in, the portfolio basically stayed flat. And 2022 was similar, although I don't think it was down as much. And again, I think I basically kept it flat, including the cash I was putting in. And then 2023, I carried on putting in the cash, but it's it's actually up for the first time in a few years, even without the cash, which is quite a nice feeling. Part of that was just the way I invested. I was quite heavy on a lot of the work from home stocks, you know, and a lot of the real COVID stocks that did well. Fortunately, I got into most of those before the big COVID run up anyway. But what happened with a lot of them was I rode them all the way up and then rode them all the way back down. And in a lot of cases, I was adding to them on the way down, which I think will work out quite well in the long term. But there's some stuff, for example, with Etsy, my which is one of my biggest positions. I, I originally started buying Etsy at about $50 a share maybe four years ago. Might, might be more, might be like five years ago now. But it was about $50 a share and it, it went all the way up to... I think it was about over $300 a share. And I rode it all the way up. And then on the way back down, once it dropped to about 150, I started buying again on the way back down. I bought all the way down from basically 150. And I think I got it down to about 60. And then it's since started to rally again. And it's up a bit. I think it's about 80 or, 80 or $90 a share now. And I, I am still up on the position, but nowhere near as much as I was. And I've got quite a lot like that. But for the past probably three years, I had been... Again, I'd, I sold a lot. I had a decent bit Bitcoin position, which again, a few years ago, I sold and did quite well on. So I, th- I can't remember what my cost was, but I, I sold Bitcoin when the Bitcoin price was about, I think it was about 45,000 a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then once it dropped below 20 or around 20, I started buying it back a few years ago and started averaging in just like a fairly small amount a week mm-hmm. and just started doing that. And I've, I've done that for a couple of years when Bitcoin's been pretty flat. And then I've carried on doing that all through 2023. But Bitcoin's gone up 150% in that time. So that's despite the fact I've been averaging a very small weekly amount and much, much smaller than what I put into my stocks. That's now about 15% of the portfolio. And that that's really carried a lot of my performance. It's, I think it, it might actually be over fifteen percent. It might be more like seventeen, mm. seventeen and a half. But that's from a very small sort of weekly averaging in, and then it's just on the back of this massive rally in twenty twenty three. So that's really given me a boost. I actually, so I, I don't think I've discussed this before because I know it's just pure degenerate behaviour. Yeah. Now that Bitcoin's over about $40,000 again, and psychologically, I just can't really justify buying it in my head. So I've turned off my Bitcoin averaging probably about a month ago. And I started averaging into Dogecoin instead. Oh, no. Yeah. Why? So my my logic is, it's. I know it's got no value. I think long-term it's got no value. I know I'm not making the best investment thesis for it, but it, it is the original meme coin. And if you look at the history of it in every single sort of crypto pump since about 2013 or 2014, it's always had these massive rallies. And if you go and look at the graph, you can see that. And I think on the back of Bitcoin rallying now, which it has started to do in the past year, I think a lot of these other crappy coins are going to rally as well. And Dogecoin, a lot of a lot of the older ones, they sort of have one or two rallies and then they just disappear and die and get replaced by new ones. And Dogecoin, I think, is one of the few where it consistently rallies. And I think one of the reasons was that last time it was pumped up by Elon Musk a lot. Yeah. But I don't think that interest has gone away. And it's actually, it's still ridiculously valued, but it's, it's dropped all the way from about, so it went up to about 70 cents a Dogecoin at one point. It didn't hit a dollar. 
Mm. And it's dropped all the way down to sort of six or seven cents. It's had a 90% drop. And I started buying at about seven cents. And I'm, I do stress, I'm only putting in a couple of hundred a month, which I'm mm. quite happy to write off if I lose it all. I've got no, I can more, I can afford to lose it. And I'm probably expecting to lose it. But I think if Bitcoin rallies, I think some of these crappy coins are going to rally as well. I think there's a decent chance Dogecoin is one of them, especially if Elon Musk starts pumping it again and all like the, I can't remember what they're called now, but you, you know, all the people that pump the stuff, I can't, you know, where they pump Dogecoin and they pump games. The whales. There's no other whales. They had, a, they had a name, but there was a group of people that were doing it on Reddit and stuff. But I think there's a decent chance Dogecoin pumps. And if it pumps on the back of a Bitcoin pump, I think there's a good chance it gets to a dollar. Okay. Just just based on everyone's going to be trying to pump it up to that price. And I know this is very castles in the air and I'm relying on a yeah. bigger idiot. But the, the logic I'm taking with it is like, if if it's a, is it about eight cents a Dogecoin now? And I'm only putting in money that I can afford to lose. And I really can't stress that enough. But if it's about eight cents a Dogecoin now, I think what, what are the odds that it goes up to say a dollar on the back of the next Bitcoin rally, which I, I do think we're sort of in the early stages of. And if the odds that it goes up to a dollar, it, it would then be, a, it would be over a 10x. So my logic is, as long as I think there's more than a 10% chance of it happening, it's actually, it's it's actually a fairly decent risk reward, despite the fact that it's, it's probably either going to happen or be a near total write-off of the money I've put in. But I think the chances of that happening are probably above 10%. Because I think if Bitcoin rallies, I, th- I think it's quite likely that it does happen. Whether or not it should and, should and what that sort of says about the current state of society and investing mm. is not really my problem. But I, I actually think it's got a fairly decent chance of 10xing, okay. more, than, more than 10%. Now, that might only be 20 25%. But I think for money I can afford to lose, it's actually probably worth the risk. So that's my logic with it. But I'm not recommending anyone does this. And it's probably the kind of thing I will look back on in a year or two and just be like, why did I do that? But for the amount I'm putting in, I'm quite happy to take the risk on that. Mm. And that is just a bit of fun anyway. Then I've got my pension, which is a decent chunk of my portfolio, and that's just invested in index funds, so that's done pretty well. And then it gets the individual stocks. And on the UK side, they've they've done all right. Very happy with the companies that I've got and the results that they're getting. So, for example, like Supreme hasn't moved a huge amount since I bought it. It's paying a decent dividend, but it's maybe only up like, I say only, but it's, it's maybe only up like 10, 15% since I bought it. And that's in a year where the market's done pretty well. But in terms of the results it's putting out, I'm very happy with it. And it's gotten a lot cheaper. Airtel Africa is another one you mentioned where it's, it's only up 7%, but the results have been very, yeah. very good. And again, I'm very, very happy with it. So a lot of my UK stocks haven't actually moved up loads. A couple of them have. I think Games Workshop's done very well. Uh, I'll just go into the portfolio and see which which ones are actually performing best. But I think Games Workshop has has, a, has had a good year, and I've done pretty well on that. That probably is actually the main one in the UK one. And then a lot of other ones are pretty flat, like Gamma's quite flat. Boohoo is, I mean, Boohoo's had a roller coaster. I didn't realize it got to 60p less than a year ago. It actually rallied from about 40p to 60. Mm. I think I must have held on hoping that I'd get my money back, and it's now at 36 but that is only down nine percent in a year and i've already lost most of the money i put in so i'm quite happy leaving that but that that's probably boohoo actually is it i don't know if it is the worst performer because it's only down nine percent overall it's the worst performer but it's only down nine percent for the year in terms of purchases for uk stocks i've 
topped up a few things. So I've topped up right move. I've well, I've opened a position in Supreme in the past year. That was fairly early on in the year. That those are probably they, they might be. Oh, and then I've topped up Airtel Africa as well. I haven't actually sold anything in my UK portfolio, but I did a bit of a clean out. I think just before the year end of 2022. So I had some stocks that I'd already got rid of, but in 2023, I haven't sold anything of my UK side of the stocks. And then the US stocks, I've got a decent number of them, and a lot of them are sort of work from home stocks. I've got like Etsy, Upwork, Fiverr, Wix, which we covered fairly recently, PayPal. PayPal's not done that well, but I only started the position recently. I think it was in the last year I started. It was in the last year I started it, but that's only down about 10%. I think I've got it at a pretty good price. Etsy's done okay. Well, Etsy's, Etsy's done decent recently, as I mentioned, but I've bought quite a lot on the way down. So I'm, I'm about break even on a small gain on that now. And there's quite a lot of others where the initial position is up a lot because I've bought on the way down. How much I'm not doing amazingly. One that has had a very good year is Mercado Libre. Yeah, so that's up from about $800 to $1,600. So it's, it's basically doubled in the year. So that's the Apart from buying new positions, the only stock I've sold is I sold a third of my Mercado Libre position about a month ago to top up PayPal. But in terms of selling, I'm actually quite pleased because it's probably the first year where there's been very little churn in the portfolio and I've just been adding to positions that I like, which mm. I'm hoping will turn out to be quite a decent habit. So yeah, overall, I've, I've had a pretty good year, but a lot of that's been carried by Bitcoin and also mm. the, the indexes in my pension. My UK stocks are pretty flat. And the US stocks are probably up slightly, but that's mainly been carried by Mercado Libre. But yeah, over, overall, I've had a pretty good year and the first up year I've had since the COVID year, which is quite nice to have again. <laughs> so actually, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts on the my Dogecoin degeneracy, because that is what <sighs> it is. <laughs> I think it, it for me, it's sort of bad habits. And I think I didn't like timing i didn't like selling some of the stocks of my own own portfolio and i think it's the psychology in investing is so important and i think even if it's a really small amount of money that you're doing it with i think it's just it's the bad habit that i don't like and i think it's you know being able to focus and keep it clean and keep it clear and you know, clear strategy so i'm not keen on it i d- i should have said i did have uh, Bitcoin also, which has performed strongly, is again, I think we we talked about it before, but sort of digital gold argument that I'd subscribe to, not being com- completely convinced by, but being sort of dollar cost or pound cost averaging into it probably now for two years, maybe. So this last year, obviously really had a big rally and that, that has done well. So pleased about that but no Sam I think I think it's keep keeping the portfolio clean keeping the bad habits out I know I've sort of moved largely for most of the portfolio to sort of index funds which I appreciate for the purpose of an investing podcast is quite boring but it, it I think for me it allows that clearer strategy and for the the biases the emotions to come into investing a lot less I completely agree with you, but I just can't help myself. It is a, it is a habit I've struggled to kick. So I actually, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but I originally started buying Bitcoin in like 2016, 2017. And mm. then I, I traded all my Bitcoin just before the big alt rally in 2017 into these crappy altcoins. And I didn't have loads of money at the time. And it wasn't a massive chunk of my portfolio. 
but I, I put about two and a half grand in and within like three, four months, I'd ridden it up all the way to 25 grand and I'd mm. done literally nothing. Yeah. And rather than accept how lucky I'd been, I, I thought it was due solely to my genius and the market's going <laughs> to carry on doing that. And I was thinking, well, I'll wait for a hundred grand or whatever else. Rode it all the way back down. And I actually probably, I, I think I about broke even on it. So it wasn't a disaster. But when when you've been up 10x and given it all back, breaking even does feel like a massive loss yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the, the, what was really disappointing about it was the bitcoin price was only a few thousand dollars at the time i did that and i completely subscribed to like you said the digital gold argument of bitcoin I, th- I think i did get that quite early but because i got greedy with these alts i traded all my bitcoin for alts and although i broke even on the alts because the bitcoin price had gone up so much i ended up losing about 90 percent of the value in bitcoin by the time i'd finished trading them so I had the same amount in sterling, but I had 10% of the Bitcoin I used to have, which was that yeah. was pretty gutting because yeah. if I held that amount today, it it would be a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But Absolutely. anyway, that's that's. Do you know I how? Mean. I mean, uh, not not to rake over these things, but would you own a whole Bitcoin or? I'd had I'd I had one and a half at one point. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's pretty gutting. And okay. the thing is, as well, like, I know lots of people are in that position and they probably were yeah. sold at some point. But I think psychologically, I think because I did subscribe to the Bitcoin argument, I think I would have, you know, and I have averaged in for years of it. I, I think if I'd held on the Bitcoin and hadn't bought the alt, I'd only got to sold the Bitcoin on the way yeah. up. I think I would have genuinely held it all the way because the only reason I got rid of the alts is because I just realized that I should have just held Bitcoin originally and I was better off cutting my losses and getting 10% because if you know if I'd kept the alts now where I got 10% of the amount I broke even on sterling and got about 10% of the amount back I had in Bitcoin it might be sort of 5% instead if I if I'd carried on with it cuz they haven't I don't think they've done well since yeah and it, so, it comes it comes back to that sort of early interview on the show with Flosser and Flosser has some incredible, in, in, well, he's, he's, he's obviously picked his stocks very well, but he's had huge conviction in some of those stocks that he's picked and you know, Tesla being one example, but it's, he hasn't been trying to make a quick buck on them. He's had mm. the conviction and he's held it. And, you know, you're sort of talking about almost the conviction that you have in the investment case for Bitcoin, which would have allowed you to continue to hold it, which you didn't retain in the altcoins and you don't have in Dogecoin. So at what point do you sell it? You're sort of trying to time Mm. the market. It, It becomes, I think, really, really difficult. And, you know, again, with the indexes, I suppose you can have the argument that you sort of believe in capitalism and therefore you're going to own sort of own the world as this sort of Andrew Craig book put it and therefore you're going to do that in a low cost way you're going to own a global tracker I appreciate there are arguments about that and it's market you know it's weighted by market cap and you're having a huge you know US exposure but nonetheless that that's the conviction that you have and it's much easier to hold that through difficult times and then through the good times and you're not tempted to sort of be trading in and out of positions. Well, that's the thing, because like with the Bitcoin, I did have that conviction. If it wasn't for the alts, I, I think I would have held it. Whereas an example I would use is obviously like, you know, back in 2016, I think we, we both bought Solar City shares. <laughs> I think it was Solar City. It, it was. was. But on the back of basically those, the merger with Tesla that we were expecting to go through, and it was a quick 15% gain. And you got paid in Tesla shares. And you got 15%, basically, the Tesla shares worth about 15% more than Solar City. So within about a week or two, I think we banked. Uh, did you hold it 
all the way through? No, I didn't hold it. So I I think I made about 5% on it, but I didn't hold it all the way through. And uh, again, it was conviction. And I thought, well, I don't even like Tesla as a stock. So I don't want to be left with, you know, Tesla shares after it anyway, even if they're sort of, you know, sold quickly. So I, I left that early. Uh, okay, so I, I held it for the full week or two or whatever it was. <laughs> so I banked the 15% and then I immediately sold the Tesla shares. And if I'd held those Tesla shares oh, again... Yeah. I, I don't know how well Tesla's done since 2016. I don't know. Go on, I know how much I put in, so let me just have a look. Uh, so if I had held that position, so this is 2016. Oh, gosh, this isn't going to be very nice. That's um, why I don't look. So what, it was sort of autumn. Okay, so 13. Should I see how much 17? I think uh, it's about 28. Yeah, so, okay. So my my three grand would now be worth about 50. Yeah, so I, I put two, two and a half in. Yeah. But I, I don't feel bad about that because I yeah. know I never had the conviction in Tesla. No. I just wanted the 15%. I, I know yeah. if I'd kept the Tesla shares at some point along the way, I would have sold them. Oh. I wouldn't still hold them now at today's silly valuations. Without I, doubt. There's no way I would have held them, which yeah. is why I dumped them straight away. Whereas it, that's what really irks me with the Bitcoin because if it wasn't for getting distracted by the alts, I would have held it. Yeah, no, I. I... <laughs> so that, that one bothers me a lot more. But anyway, there's there's over a hundred grand I could have had in my bank account if I just kept. It, it, I mean, but well, then you know, do you want yeah. a bitcoin? Do you want a portfolio that's just bitcoin and Tesla? <laughs> well, some people do, and uh, this year they might be doing very well if they if they do just have those those assets. But yeah, that that would have been uh, quite nice. I think it would have been like probably what would it have been in total? Maybe like five grand total point because i didn't have much money back then but, no no no, but no it would have been five grand and it'd be worth well over 100 now quite yeah i think but yeah, anyway yeah that's like but I, I, the, the bitcoin bothers me more but with this time with the dogecoin all it's done is it's just stopped me in averaging into bitcoin at the higher price and i kind of view the crypto as kind of you know one almost mini portfolio so you know i've done so well on the bitcoin i can afford to lose a few hundred quid on the dogecoin but that's yeah, yeah. And, and it is just a bit of fun i quite I quite like the excitement of checking it as well but I, i'm not suggesting it as an investment strategy but i would like to be here in a year's time where i'm saying i know it was a stupid strategy but i did 10x but yeah. we'll see <laughs> so how, how will you like what would make you sell with a dogecoin like is there a do you have a figure in mind or so I think if you get a big rally where they all start rallying, which you do seem to do every three or four years, it's I think it's linked, or a lot of the stuff I've read about Bitcoin, I think it's linked to the halving cycle. So for anyone who's not familiar, Bitcoin, it's because it's decentralized, I'm massively oversimplifying it, but it, it rewards the people who are basically the miners who are running the network. And it releases a new batch of Bitcoin every 10 minutes to one of the miners and that and batch of Bitcoin every four years, the amount they get halves. So I think originally it was, it was every, I think it's every 210,000 blocks, which works out to about every four years, but it very slightly depends on how quickly the, the blocks are created. But originally it was 50 and then after four years it drops to 25 and then it drops again and it drops again. I think we're at 6.25 now and it's, it's halving again and it should be sometime, I think, in, in late 2024. And if you look at Bitcoin's rallies, that typically rallies, it starts to rally probably about 18 months before the next halving. And that is what has happened because in the, in the last year, it started to rally again. And then it usually kind of continues to rally for sort of six, 12 months after. And then it drops down until the next one. And 
or maybe, probably maybe six months after, and then it's sort of down. Usually, historically, it's been down for like then two or three years. And if, if you look at the Bitcoin chart and then plot the halvings, it does seem to be following that pattern, which makes some sense because as there's less and less Bitcoin being released into the wild, you've got a dwindling, dwindling increase in supply, which, which you know, you can see how that has some effect on the price. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, because and, and then obviously I know as, as time's going on, more people are becoming interested in Bitcoin and there's just there's only so many Bitcoins to go around. So I think that's what started to happen in the past 12 months. And what usually happens is on the back of Bitcoin doing well, all these crappy altcoins start to do well as well for maybe a six, 12 month window. And then they just drop off the face of the earth and they drop 90, 95 percent. And some of them come back, but most don't. And then the next Bitcoin halving cycle, you've got this new generation of crappy alts that just have these, you know, thousands, 2000 percent gains for six months and then fall off the face of the earth. But like I say, Dogecoin is one of the few that has done that consistently for a good few of these cycles now. So my, my logic is once we get to the halving, I, I think if it's not happened within a few months of the halving, it's probably not going to happen. So that would probably be the, in terms of timeline, the, the latest I would sell. But I think obviously how high it can go is just complete speculation. But my logic is it, it got to, if you, again, if you look at the chart, it's, it's reached a higher and higher peak each time and then had this 90, 95% drop. And the last time it reached 70 cents and everyone was saying, well, will it get to a dollar? Mm -hmm. Which is part of my logic. I, I think this next time it will get to a dollar. So again, I think my logic is maybe sell at like 90 cents or something like that, because everyone's okay. going to be trying to push it to a dollar. Whereas if you wait for a dollar, as soon as it hits it, it might just immediately crash because of like the psychology of everyone that was trying to get it to that threshold, even though it's, there's no actual reason for it. <laughs> yeah. but I, I think you'll have a lot of people pushing it to a dollar. So that that's my logic with it. Okay. So there is some logic. Okay, okay, fine. Right, shall we move on to our watch lists then? Yeah, so which stock would you say you have been, so this is excluding new purchases, but which stock have you been closest to buying and not bought? And then what are the other stocks that you like on the watch list as well? I think closest to buying is probably something like Etsy. I think it's been, you know, for the type of company that it is, it has been fairly priced over the last year. And I've come close, but haven't actually done it. We've covered the stock quite a lot. And to a degree, there's a bit of anchoring in terms of the prices and, you know, psychology getting in the way there. Other companies that I like a lot, LVMH, which we've covered quite a few times on the show, incredibly high quality. I mean, the brands that it has are some of the strongest in the world. Holding me back on that is valuation, although that has you know pulled back a little bit more recently. And then other companies, in terms of thinking, even topping up, there's Diageo, which much, much closer to topping up now. I think I do have some cash that's accumulated um, from sort of dividends in the ISA. Got the, uh, I've got Diageo in my ISA, so that may well be one that gets, um, uh, you know, further allocation. And then Disney. Disney, I think, is in the, you know, in the midst of the turnaround. It's certainly, I wouldn't consider it to be expensive for the quality company that it is. So that, again, is something that I would consider I think against that is that I have topped up on the way down on it already, although that would be over a year ago. So not sure whether that's sort of getting into bad habits there, but it's a company I do have a lot of conviction in and um, obviously have held throughout. 
And then I guess the sort of Outsiders Games Workshop. And I know we shouldn't get anchored and think about the rally that it's had, but it's, it's been performing extremely well. I think it's a very high quality company. And still, I guess if you look at the market cap and what you know the, the investment case is for it, it's it's still not that big a company. Yeah, so that just what would it take, you think, do you think, for you to buy one of or any of Etsy, LVMH, or Games Workshop. Because Etsy and Games Workshop, I kind of feel like we could have sat here and done this a year ago, and they'd have both been on the list. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult question. And I think something else, which I was going to come on to it in the background with all of this, is how the interest rates have been going up. And I think if we were talking a a few years ago, and, you know, we were pretty close to zero the case for keeping cash you were whilst inflation you know was very low you still thought that you your money wasn't earning anything doing nothing and therefore it needed to be put you know actively to work and therefore so the the there was no other option apart from going and looking at your stock portfolio what do i buy next what do i top up on whereas in this last year you've got a risk-free return of sort of 5% plus at different times. Therefore, actually keeping it and just getting your 5% has disincentivized me from going out and probably, you know, pulling the trigger on some of those stocks. I genuinely think that, that you know, it, it, it had that effect, which I suppose if you're looking at it from economic theory, it, like, it should be doing that. But it, I think in reality, in my own life, I can see it, it is having that effect. And I know we're going to come on to sort of books later, but um, the book that I reread this year, you know, really influenced that too. So does it make a difference on the company? Because obviously Games Workshop, yes, your cash is doing a lot better and there's no risk. Now you sat there with Games Workshop on the watch list and that's had a cracking year. Yeah. Whereas you sat there with Etsy and yes, it's up, it's up a bit from the low, but you're talking like, it's still down from 300 it's maybe at 80 dollars now or something and the lowest it's been is like in the 50s so it's it's still quite close to that low and i think with games workshop it's harder to make the argument because it it is just more expensive but when you've got a stock like etsy where it's just churning out cash it's the growth figures are pretty good they're not what they were but i think there was a couple of years of stabilization after the covid year but the figures are pretty good it's buying back shares it's at 14 times free cash flow is, is there any argument that obviously with Etsy, because the interest rates are higher, that's possibly why it's actually trading at this compressed well, multiple? Yeah, exactly. I mean, these things, they, they make logical sense. However, you know, I think when you're human, it, it does make it, you, you do have these psychological hangups on it. I think that's everything in that case. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to The Investor Way. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter at TIWTweets. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Neither Sam nor Jonathan are financial advisors. For investment advice, please consult professional advisors.